0: Today is Palm Sunday, which begins the most important week of the year for us as Christians. It's a week that we call Holy Week or Passion Week leading up to Easter. Uh, We simply cannot and should not jump from Palm Sunday directly to Easter. There is so much that happens between now and next Sunday. And so, uh, as always, we are going to have some special services in the life of this church, Thursday night at 6.15, a monday Thursday service with a live reenaction of the Last Supper. And then Friday at noon, we'll have an ecumenical Good Friday service with ministers from the area coming together to reflect upon the seven last words of Christ. So come and, and be a part of that, and then we'll celebrate Easter uh, next week in a new and much more profound way. In his gospel, Luke tells us that when they got to the Mount of Olives— Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead to a village where they would find a colt tied up. And he said, if anybody asks you what you are doing, tell them the Lord needs it. And so the disciples went ahead to the village and sure enough, they found a colt tied up. They asked him what they were doing and they said, the Lord needs it. So they threw their cloaks on it. They put Jesus on it. And thus began the triumphal entry into the holy city of Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. This was to fulfill what had been written by the prophet Zechariah, who said, Lo, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious as he humble and riding on a donkey. People lined the roads to welcome the new king into Jerusalem. Not Luke, but the other Gospels say that the people shouted Hosanna and they waved palm branches in the air as Jesus came into the city. And Hosanna means save now, save please. Amy Jill Levine is a renowned New Testament scholar, teaches at Vanderbilt. Uh, She's a friend of this church. She's lectured here many times. She'll be back this fall to give a lecture. But she published a new book this past year on Holy Week, on the Passion. The book is called Entering the Passion of Jesus. And if you're looking for a resource to dive deeper into Holy Week and what happened, I would commend it to you. But this is what Levine says, for Jesus the risk of riding into Jerusalem in a victory parade is very real. Pontius Pilate is also making an appearance as he comes with his entourage to tell the Jewish people celebrating Passover that Rome is in charge. And Jesus' entry calls attention to himself in a major way. Tensions are running high, as are expectations of liberation, of freedom, of autonomy, as Jesus enters into town riding on a donkey with the crowd crying out for him. The passion has begun. Now this entry into Jerusalem was certainly staged and planned. It was also dangerous. Jesus knew that. It was symbolic It was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. People were waiting for the king. But Jesus was not the kind of king that they thought they needed. They wanted a warrior. They wanted a liberator. They wanted somebody to free them from Roman oppression, Roman rule. And here comes Jesus, humble, lowly, riding on a donkey. And we know that it's this parade into Jerusalem with everybody celebrating that would begin the process that ultimately leads to the cross. Not the kind of ending that the disciples and the Jewish people wanted. What are the lessons of Palm Sunday? It's hard to look at Palm Sunday by itself. It must be viewed in light of what happens over the next few days. But I do think that there are some lessons, some takeaways that we have from this text. First of all, Palm Sunday reminds us that people are fickle and they can change their attitudes very quickly. The people that stood on the road to Jerusalem and waved palm branches and shouted Hosanna, welcoming Jesus into the city, were the same people who just a few days later would change their mind, turn on him, and shout crucify him when he was betrayed, arrested, and falsely accused. You see, they wanted Jesus as their savior, but when they realized that he couldn't save them in the conventional way, the way that they thought he should save them, they changed their mind and they turned to groupthink. Public opinion is a powerful thing, and both back then and still today, I think people are easily swayed by what other people think. In fact, I would say that many of us spend far too much time thinking about and wrestling with what other people think. Even Pilate asked the people what They wanted him to do, and he said, this man has done nothing wrong. But they said, no, crucify him. Free Barabbas, crucify Jesus. And so a criminal was released, and an innocent man was brutally put to death. Now, I don't have to tell you that people are still fickle today. They will turn on you. They will abandon you. They will stab you in the back, they will say things about you when you're not around. That's why I've always believed that loyalty and commitment are admirable traits. I hold them in high regard. It's very important to think for yourself and not just to go along with what everybody else is saying, what everybody else is thinking. Sometimes public opinion is wrong and shallow. Jesus knew what it felt like to be betrayed, to be stabbed in the back. Some of his closest friends would stab him in the back. Judas betrayed him. Then uh, uh, just a little bit after that, even Peter betrayed him. And isn't that true in life? That the, the people who know us the best have the ability to hurt us hurt us the deepest. But there's no love without risk. Risk of pain, risk of betrayal, risk of loss. A second lesson on Palm Sunday is that we are reminded that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Jesus was familiar with the words of the prophet Zechariah who says, Lo, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious as he, humble and riding on a donkey. His decision to enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey was an emphatic statement of who he was. He was the Messiah, as foretold by the prophets. But his kingdom and his message was one of peace, not of war. One of love, not of conquest. One of compassion, not cruelty. In first century Palestine, when a king would go to war, the king would ride on a horse. But when a king would come in peace... He would ride on a donkey. Jesus was coming in peace. His message was a message of peace. His kingdom was a kingdom of peace. His life was a life of peace. And yet we still live in a very violent and hostile world, full of anger, full of bitterness, full of resentment. The kingdoms of this world are based on money and power and influence and status, intimidation and fear, force and violence. But Jesus' kingdom is based on love and forgiveness, grace and reconciliation, peace and hospitality, humility and service. But there are still many that, that don't understand that. And many will try to combine the, the, the forces of this world with Christianity, and it just doesn't work that way. It's not that simple People wave palm branches, and palm branches are a symbol of peace. Throughout his life and ministry, Jesus taught peace. He demonstrated peace. He lived peace. He showed that he came not to destroy but to love, not to condemn but to help, not to judge but to forgive, not to divide but to unite. And yet we still have a hard time grasping what this kingdom looks like today because it is so different from the kingdoms of this world. But we all long for it, we all hunger for peace, we pray for it, we yearn for it. Third lesson, Palm Sunday reminds us that Jesus demonstrated and lived with incredible humility, or as I would call it, courageous humility when he faced Jerusalem. Jesus was a humble person, but that doesn't mean that he was a weak person. Humility actually means quiet strength. And unfortunately, we now live in an age where humility seems to be becoming less and less common. Uh, Arrogance is everywhere. Insecurity is everywhere. Social media has taken envy and narcissism and competition to new heights, I believe. We only put our best selves out there. We want to show the world how great our life is. We want to show the world what we're doing and how wonderful it is. But life's not perfect. And everybody has problems and everybody struggles. And I think remembering this keeps us humble. It was an exciting week in the Stauffer household because the University of Virginia won the national championship in basketball, that's where Megan went to school. And uh, so uh, I know Auburn fans, Purdue fans, it was, you know, controversial, but UVA won. But there's a man that I would lift up that I think embodies what humility looks like, and that's the Virginia coach, Tony Bennett. Last year, Virginia was the number one ranked overall seed going into the NCAA tournament. And they got beat in the first round, never happened before, by UMBC. Nobody even ever heard of UMBC before last year but they beat Virginia. But you know what Tony Bennett did? He kept his head down, the team got back to work, and then this year they went all the way through the tournament and they won the national championship. What an unbelievable turnaround from losing to UMBC to winning the national championship. Richard Simmons wrote a book called The Power of a Humble Life and according to Simmons, He says, life's greatest paradox is its strength is found in humility. Arrogance is simply a way to cover up our lack of self-confidence. He says this, 15 years ago, social media was non-existent, and yet it now dominates a major part of our lives, particularly among young people. The great concern is that we are creating a culture of self-admiring narcissists who think that the world revolves around them. Social media has become an outlet to promote oneself and its popularity signals that we're becoming a society clearly focused on the glorification of self. And this is not what Jesus was about. He was about others. He was not about self. He was about serving others, healing others, leading others, helping others. But our culture is very self-absorbed. And yes, technology is making this more common. Humility is an admirable trait. Somebody once said humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Humility is important if you're a Christian. Fourth lesson, following Jesus involves sacrifice. Everything in life that's worth doing involves sacrifice. Think about this staying married for many years, raising a family, parenting children, building a habitat house, supporting the church, which is what we're doing right now in stewardship, it's not easy, but it requires sacrifice. We have to understand that the way of Christ is the way of the cross. We have to understand that, that the way of Christ involves sacrifice. If we want to follow Christ, we must sacrifice. There are far too many Christians today who just want to focus on being happy and joyful and free of pain and fear, but this is is what is so unique about our faith. Jesus was crucified. He understands our pain because he lived it. He understands what it means to be betrayed because he was betrayed He understands what it means to come up against a force that can put you to death, and he knows that life is not always easy and happy. We have to deal with illness and shortcomings and hardship and disappointments and loss and devastation and struggle and ultimately death. Discipleship, following Jesus, involves sacrifice. If you're not sacrificing, you need to ask yourself Am I serious about my Christian faith? Lastly, Palm Sunday reminds us that we still need Jesus to save us. You know, the people line the streets and they wave palm branches, they shouted Hosanna. We don't find that in Luke, but in the other Gospels. Hosanna, like I said, means save us now, please save us now. And we still shout Hosanna today because we still need to be saved. But many people get uncomfortable when Christians start talking about being saved. They think it's overly pious, exclusivistic, trite. Somebody sent me an article this weekend about an incident that happened at a Wisconsin Walmart this past week. Let me read you just a couple of lines from this news story. This is apparently real. It's not made up. Chaos descended on a Wisconsin Walmart Wednesday night after a karate-performing mother, her naked son, who was 26 years old, by the way, and their belligerent dog shoplifted and ran amok in the store. After officers confronted Van, the son, he threatened to run over them with his scooter, prompting the police to use physical force to stop the scooter and arrest the man. Now, if you want to read more about this story, you're going to have to go look it up online, but it's there. There is some crazy stuff that happens in this world. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. But you read something like this and you're like, holy cow. A.J. Levine says, from what do we seek salvation? From sin, yes. But also from pain. From despair, from loneliness, from poverty, from oppression. We are all in need of some sort of salvation but sometimes we simply don't recognize it. Maybe we can't recognize it. We think we've got everything under control and then something happens It brings us to our knees and humbles us in a way that we never saw coming. Maybe it's cancer, maybe it's infidelity, divorce, depression, addiction, grief, the loss of a child, the betrayal of a close friend. Suddenly life no longer seems fair. It hurts too much. At that point, we need to be saved from our anger, from our bitterness, from our contempt, our resentment, because these emotions take the joy out of living. How does Jesus save us? In so many ways. He saves us from our greed saves us from materialism. He saves us from envy and jealousy. He saves us from emptiness and restlessness. He saves us from judgment. He saves us from self-righteousness. He saves us from our ego and our power struggles. He saves us from anger and rage. He saves us from addictions. He saves us from pride and arrogance. He saves us from fear. He saves us from hopelessness. He saves us from being afraid of death We need Jesus in our lives because he saves us from all these things, and we wrestle with all of these things. And the way that Jesus saves us is through the cross. And the cross is a reminder of how the world often responds to his message. Rejection, ridicule, intolerance. Many still don't have time for it, and they still don't want to hear it. But we all need to hear it. It takes a strong person. It takes a strong person to own up to why they need Christ in their hearts. It takes an even stronger person to make the necessary changes. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but fail to recognize the log in your own eye? That's a tough question. I'll close with a, with a Palm Sunday poem that I love, written by a guy named Paul Twist. Twist says, they waved palm branches as he passed and hailed him as their king, yet they knew not of the sorrow the coming week would bring. The glad acclaim would soon give way to jeers and mockery. In Pilate's court he'd be condemned to a cross on Calvary. But Jesus knew he was the price in God's redemptive plan, the sacrificial lamb come down to die for sins of man. The centuries have passed and still he seeks those lost in sin pleading with unyielding hearts to repent and follow him. On this day, we shout our praise, oh, let us not delay, because the palm-strewn path of long ago still leads to him today. Amen.